All right, so we're coming to you from Toronto, Canada. Uh, we just finished the ARA National Convention. Annual meeting. Yeah. Annual meeting. Yeah. Because it's, it's international, really. Yeah. And every few years, they come up to Canada. Yeah. So this, it's is my been... second, this is my second ARA in Canada. I went to Vancouver. Can't remember the 2012, year. 2012, I believe. 2013, somewhere around there. It's all a little blurry. Yeah. Uh, so we have an invisible college breakdown that uh, is going to be episode 37. This will be episode 38. Um, so the invisible college is a little separate. It's meant for more of these interactive sessions, thinking big picture um, and collaborative, conversational. Um, what we are covering today is SIG 93, which is... Research on learning and instruction in physical education. So we're a special interest group and we get a certain amount of allotted sessions during the greater ARA conference that has over 10,000 people come. It's massive. Um, so we get certain sessions. So we have two roundtables and two paper sessions. So Sarah, can you explain the difference between the two? Sure. So... Um a roundtable session is a group of authors that uh, present their papers in you know 12 to 15 minutes, mm -hmm. and we always leave space for questions and clarifying things uh, with that research. Uh, but it allows us to often uh, have more papers allotted in that in that time frame. And uh, the first time I attended a roundtable, I was totally overwhelmed because you walk into this giant ballroom and there's just literally round tables uh go figure yep. space throughout and so you may have um you know 12 20 30 people kind of huddled around this one paper yep. listening to an author present um their and very version. open in the way they present some mm -hmm. people like i flipped my laptop around and clicked through slides and sure. gave almost like a paper presentation right. others just hand out a you know two-sided document and yeah. talk through their paper absolutely um so a little bit different format the paper yeah. sessions are you know 10 to 12 minutes and yeah. you are the only person speaking and you have a huge screen behind you sure. everybody does powerpoint i don't think i've ever seen a, I've paper. Seen a video and okay. some, some people you know accentuate with a mm -hmm. handout as well yeah um, but then in a paper session you have what's called a discussant mm. yeah and the discussant gets access to all the papers ahead of time and reads through them and provides constructive criticism or critique of, of things and then sort of um, finds themes or, or common threads in the, in the, the papers and gives their, their feedback on that. And usually... And, and you were a discussant for I, the first time ever. I was. Um, I didn't realize I had signed up to be a discussant. I you thought... clicked the wrong button. I did. I you clicked the wrong button. You thought you were going to be a chair. I thought I was going to be a chair. I thought I was just going to keep time and help out the SIG, serve the SIG. But I had an opportunity to do that and it was... Um, it was a little intimidating, but and it can be intimidating mm -hmm. because you're, you know, because then this person is is sharing their thoughts on your paper publicly, you know, in in these in these arenas, and so. Um, but uh, the first time I ever had a a paper session that had a discussant on at ARA, it was David Kirk. Oh boy! And he gave me very good constructive feedback, mm -hmm. and I was scared for two days mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to be uh, yeah. publicly feedbacked. Yes. Feedback. Yes. I mean, I mean, these words that yeah. we create Thanks. sometimes. But so yeah. let's go into the paper sure. sessions Absolutely. here and so, talk about what we what we covered. Absolutely. So uh, there was a paper session on Friday afternoon, uh, challenges and opportunities for physical education teaching and teacher education. 
and there were five papers in that session. Uh, the first was Effects of an Online Mastery-Based Resource on Movement Analysis Skills of Physical Education, Teacher Education, Teacher Candidates. And that came to us from our friends at SUNY Cortland, uh, Helena Barrett, Matt Madden, and Erica Pratt. Yeah, and this was an interesting session because I've actually uh, gotten access to these. So they have this QR code that links to these videos and they restructured their teaching because they figured that their students were not understanding the movement analysis very well between a beginner, intermediate, and advanced Mm -hmm. and how to assess them. So they created these videos, which are really, really cool. Um, and I've, I love using them. Um, so they actually restructured their whole entire curriculum to have this, these modules be a part of it. Um, Really, really interesting presentation. Very so. cool, very cool. The second paper uh, was examining the relationship between the apprenticeship of observation and the physical education pre-service teacher's conceptions of assessment. And that came from uh, Glenn Foster-Hushman, Car- uh, Carolyn Hushman, and Karen Lopes-Gaudreau, uh, University of New Mexico. Um, the That paper sort of talked about the the experiences of students before they become pre-service teachers and how they um, how they sort of conceptualize assessment and how that can be um, addressed adjusted you know problematized however you want to slice and dice it in a in a teacher education program so that was really interesting especially with the push for assessment in mm-hmm. in schools so that was that was neat the next paper was uh, Physical Education, Future Teachers' Self-Efficacy Toward Inclusion and Its Relation to Physiological and Affective States. And that came from a group of scholars from Brazil. And I... The University of Sao Paulo, I think. As well as, yeah, there, as well as the uh, University Estadual Paulista. I'm very sorry for mispronouncing any of these names because I, I, didn't, I didn't catch all the names. Uh, but... But it was a super interesting look into like this was one of the first papers that looked at uh, adapted physical education and people working with students with disabilities in the Brazilian context. Yes. And it's I think it's awesome to get this different uh, perspective. And I love the fact that these scholars from Brazil thought enough of our PE SIG to travel all the way up to Canada to present their work. And it was really interesting. Yeah, I thought it was outstanding and, and just so it just again shows you that we all have so much more to learn so i just thought that was outstanding um then there was this review of research on teaching and physical education two decades of progress and risto you you were an author on that i i was an author on that and um dylan landy steve silverman dario novak as well um but I actually recorded that, uh-huh. so I do have a 12-minute recording that we'll put out. Uh, so we won't cover that too much. Eh, we'll skip Basically, it. we found like a thousand articles on research on teaching and PE over the last 20 years and uh, systematically analyzed it. Sure. It took us um, 680 hours of work to mm-hmm. do that, so about 17 weeks straight of 40-hour sure. work weeks. Um, I started time. this project with Steve. Um, in grad school and I'm in uh, my fourth year in a university so things take time but but that can be that will probably be a future uh, episode on this podcast so we're not going to talk any more about it right now then there was um, another one last paper in this session and that was twofold opportunities for learning in a collaborative self-study by Ann O'Dwyer and Richard Bowles from Mary Immaculate College which is in Limerick Ireland Mm -hmm. and this paper was a a collaborative self-study on the coaching and teaching 
perspectives. And in this context, they had the pre-service teachers were being taught teacher education in classes, but also they played on the Gaelic football team for the university for the university and the same professors were coaches yes and they were coaching the pre-service teachers so it was this context that kind of blows my mind to think that they're in that because that's not how it works in the u.s (laughs) so it was a completely different situation and really fascinating stuff yeah absolutely so that was the end of the the first paper session and ang chen gave some remarks Mm -hmm. there and i don't recall but uh everything but um i know he he gave a lot of guidance and and feedback to the authors so um and he's just he's so well respected in our in our field for all the research that he's done over his career so uh the next session that our sig hosted was a round table uh, physical activity in alternative spaces and with alternative instructors. Um, and the first paper there was classroom teachers' views of pupils' health and wellness in Aotearoa, New Zealand perspective. And those authors were Dominique Banville from George Mason, Ben Dyson uh, from UNCG, UNC Dream, Greensboro, uh, Pam Kalina from uh, and Mike McAllis. Oh, they didn't say. Oh, Pam Kalina, Arizona State University, and yep. then McAllis uh, Solano from the University of Queensland. Yep. And Dominique allowed me to record her oh. presentation, so I will actually put that out as well. It's a 12-minute uh, roundtable presentation, so you'll get a, a really deep insight into that. Oh, that's awesome! Um, if you're interested, but it was interesting because in the New York, uh, New, New Zealand, Zealand yeah. context, um, elementary general teachers are asked to teach physical education but they're not very well trained so this paper talks of that context and i think it relates to another context from ireland yes was it in the same session uh, yeah it was actually the very next paper oh yeah um primary physical education external provision i'm a better teacher but she is better in basketball and that was from jessica mangione and uh, missy parker from the university of limerick Mm -hmm. also uh, mary o'sullivan from the university of limerick so in the irish context um they often have, and it's not, there's no regular pattern from what I can, yeah. from what I perceived. Uh, there are external providers that just come in and help, either help teach physical education or just take over and teach physical education. Mm-hmm. And so it's this very interesting um, situation that, of course, there are many things to consider and to. Um, yeah, and they talked about endogenous privatization and exogenous privatization. Mm. And their kind of conclusions were that as a consequence of this kind of situation in that specific context, the students' activity levels and participation became the sole focus of the curriculum and talked about how it narrows the perspective of physical education. Absolutely. That was a really, that was a really interesting paper. Uh, the next paper was uh, Reach Harlem, Young Urban Boys' Experiences in an After-School Physical Activity Positive Youth Development Program. Risto, your name's on this again. Yes, and I also recorded this, so we'll put this out. It's another 12-minute roundtable presentation. Can of I give me. a shout-out to all your authors? Though, yes, absolutely. Sure, so we had Risto. He's right here. Um, Kelly Johnson from Baylor University, Sharon Rose Phillips from Hofstra University, Ray Frederick, Teachers College, and Brianna Meza, California State University Fullerton. Yep, and Ray is now at Queens College, oh, okay. and uh, so he just started in January, awesome. and we started the Reach program together, and we've been working on this over the last five years, I think. Um, yeah. So we'll put that out as a, a separate podcast, so we won't spend too much time on that. Awesome. 
The next paper was Plan Detours, Identifying Barriers to Comprehensive School Physical Activity Program Implementation uh, from a group at Mary Lou Fulton Teachers College, Arizona State. So that was Shannon Mulhern, Pam Kalina, uh, Kent Lorenz, uh, Janelle Griffo, and then uh, Michaela oh, Stilanu. This was the CSPAP one, right? Yes, yeah. yes. So they talked about what the barriers to CSPAP implementation um, were perceived by teachers as the most limiting. Uh, and they talked about if there, or looked at if there are gender barriers in, um, or gender differences in the perceptions of barriers. And they looked at different grade levels. So uh, elementary, middle versus high school. And I think they came up with like 17 barriers that they listed. Yeah, lots of barriers to um, not only from the lit the literature that they reviewed, but the the expert validation from the teachers that they were working with. Yep. Do we do our listeners? Do they all know what CSPAP is? We have some CSPAP work. Sen Lin Chen came on and talked about it. Okay. Similar to whole school approach that cool. Aaron Santeo talked about. So. Comprehensive school physical activity program. Right? Yep. Okay. And backed by Shape and CDC as a as an approach. And we've seen actually a lot more research on this in the in the few conferences yeah. in the last few years. Absolutely. Then the last paper that uh, was in this session was from a graduate student at Teachers College, Carrie Safran. We need to do a better job the transformative potential of an after-school program. Yeah, and this draws from Carrie's 18-month uh, visual ethnography that she spent in a after-school setting with uh, youth in an urban environment who were in a strength training program. Mm -hmm. And Carrie brought in these two personal trainers to come in and talk to the group which was interesting because... So I think the students had questions for the personal trainers, for the fitness professionals, that sort of blew their mind. And what ended up happening is that the um, the personal trainers really struggled with some of these questions because here the, the youth are having these issues and questions and concerns. And it it, it sounds like they the, the fitness professionals started reframing the way they approach mm -hmm. uh, personal training and, and fitness and all these things to be um, to to better address the challenges that youth are facing. Yeah, um, and she talks about affect, which uh, Dylan Landy does work in that as well. And I think we'll see a lot of really interesting uh, papers come off of uh, Carrie's work for absolutely. sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So that was the first um, roundtable session that we had, um, and we had another roundtable session called "Students' Perspectives on Experiences in Health and Physical Education," uh, and that had three uh, three papers. Uh, the first was "Effects of a Comprehensive School Health Program on Elementary Student Academic Achievement," and that came from uh, the the group at Wayne State University that's been doing a lot of work in, in schools in Detroit and surrounding communities in Michigan, uh, and then Aaron Santeo, who's now at uh, University of Hawaii, Manoa. Uh, they worked with, um, they've been doing just a lot of amazing things there, but not only with physical activity, physical education, but also with uh, re doing research on like math uh, and, and reading. And they had these really... Um, short form, very accurate, valid instruments, yes. which that was the biggest thing that I took from there of how they did sh small math and reading comprehension um, tests that they could give to students to measure their process. And, and actually they, you know, without actually spending more time in academic settings, math and literacy, they were able to significantly increase those scores mm -hmm. uh, just through 
you know, adding more mm-hmm. physical activity breaks and adding more physical activity. Um, and I mean, that group has been pushing out papers out of Wayne State oh, well. for yeah. For and years. I'm just gonna read the authors because there's I just don't want I want them all to to feel like they've been recognized because the work is just incredible. So it was uh, Aaron Santeo, who's now at the University of Hawaii Manoa, Cheryl Summers, uh, Whitney Moore, Noel Kulik, uh, Alex Garn from LSU, Bo Shen. Uh, Jeff Martin and Nate McCautry and all of those folks are from Wayne State University there in Detroit. So really a team approach um, and team science. Team Team science. science Nate McCautry gave the SIG Scholar Lecture uh, at our business meeting and he talked about that team science approach which was uh, I mean which is such a great approach and you can see the number of high quality papers that come from that approach and just looking at things from so many different angles that can better inform just how we do what we do so awesome the second paper was relationships among the learning environment and perceived i'm sorry perceived personal and social responsibility learning in physical education that was presented by kevin richards uh university of illinois urbana champaign but it was also co-authored by uh, paul wright at northern illinois and Shirley Gray at the University of Edinburgh. And that, I recall that handout. Yeah, it was a lot of numbers. It was so many numbers. Tons of structural so equation, equational modeling and uh, validation. And, and yeah. arrows and just so many things uh, with, with, yeah. with a lot of different elements. Yeah. Um, was this the paper with a little TPSR mm-hmm. yeah, as well? Yeah, the TPSR focus. Uh, yeah. And, and this paper, I think, is about to be published, so we'll we'll probably have Kevin we'll, on we'll to, to discuss with, this. Yeah, with, so. with Paul or Kevin, yeah. And then the next paper was uh, The Importance of Learners' Attitude Toward Physical Education and Knowledge for Active Living, Evidence from Two Middle Schools in Two Different States. And that's from uh, Yang Liu and Sen Chen from Louisiana State University and Zhang Li Gu from University of Texas at Arlington. And so that paper was looking at... Um, uh, physical activity um, attitudes towards yeah, physical education. They actually looked at like weather, uh, precipitation, and how oh. did that uh, make or did it have any effect on um, a ton of different measures. I think yeah. they had student attitude. Um, they had two separate schools, probably about six to eight hundred students in that study. And it was two different states. So, and, and for me, I think what it can show is all of the different how every state has such a different context and such a different um, approach to physical education. So it's it's difficult to, you know, it's very difficult to generalize and, and say, like, well, here's a curriculum. Like, they can work anywhere mm-hmm. because it can't. It's, there's right. all sorts of th- yeah. elements involved. So so those are the three papers in our second roundtable session. We then had one more paper session. Uh, um, this was the social justice. Yeah, physical education yeah. and activity settings as spaces for social justice. Um, and I was actually the discussant on that uh, on that session. So I, I've actually read all these papers very well, and I'll do my best to not you know ramble for too long. But um, there, the first paper in that session was all physical, no education, LGBTQ experiences of physical education, from Dylan Landy, who's at Towson University. But this this research was uh, based in his dissertation uh, research at. Um, he was at Auckland. University of Auckland. Yeah, yep. yeah, and he was working with about sixty teens from a community organization uh, who identified LGBTQ, and just talking with, with them about in various uh, ways about their experiences in physical education and physical activity. 
Um, and that was the Lawrence F. Locke Graduate Student Award paper yes, as well. Yes, so this was. was the presentation that went with that. So uh, found, you know, was kind of breaking down all the binaries and how the binaries in physical education had a had an impact had an impact on on th- these students. And so really interesting paper. I don't so much rich data. I don't know if it'll be two papers, a book. I'm not sure, but it'll be um, it'll be worth reading for sure. Uh, the next paper was Confident in My Skin, Ethnic Minority Female Physical Education Teachers, Transformational Resistance for Social Change uh, by Mara Simon, who's at Springfield College, and Laura Azarito at Teachers College, Columbia University. That was a study about um, four ethnic minority teachers in physical education who taught in primarily white schools, which was really interesting to look at how uh, their marginalized positions actually empowered them to help uh help navigate just a lot of different elements. And so um, Mara's an incredible writer. I really enjoyed reading mm-hmm. her paper. I felt like I knew uh, the participants by the end of the, of the set of that paper. So uh, the next paper was creating third space physical culture for recent immigrant girls, Instagram as a space of marginalization and resistance. Uh, that was by Jess Lee and Laura Azarito uh, from Columbia. And Jess did a, a study using Instagram to uh, work with recent immigrant girls sort of navigate and create this culturally relevant space for themselves, which was really interesting. Um, you know, social media is such a big deal to youth and, and now adults. And so I think this is going to be a great way to sort of um, help us older folks <clears throat> like me uh, stay uh, connected to the youth. So that was a really cool paper as well. Uh, the next paper was LGBTQ Issues in Physical Education and Analysis of Published Scholarship by Dylan Landy, uh, Sarah Flory and Carrie Safran from Teachers College. And that was just an analysis of the, all of the scholarship uh, on LGBTQ issues in physical education. Uh, didn't find a ton of papers to review, uh, but it had, we have seen an increase in, in scholarship over the years. And just sort of looking at where is this being published? Uh, how is it being published? Um, really interesting stuff to sort of see where we're at and where we could or should go next. Uh, then the last paper was uh, Standing in the Gap, a Social Justice Ethnography of a Historically Black Physical Education Teacher Education Program by Langston Clark from the University of Texas, San Antonio. And this was a really interesting paper about a PEAT program at an HBCU and how both the teachers and, I'm sorry, the faculty and the students sort of uh, redefine social justice in that context. And again, I think it just helps us understand how we should be a little bit more broader thinking about a lot of different things. So that, then I gave some remarks uh, about about the papers and, you know, and then we just... And then we had a SIG business meeting, mm. which I, I remember talking to somebody about this in a different uh, than like they're in you know, bilingual education. Oh, okay. And so when I was in grad school, I don't think I went to the business meeting. I didn't understand how important it was. And... You know, this is for our SIG. This is where you get like the SIG scholar lecture mm-hmm. and it's super important. And I think, you know, for grad students like me, kind of not understanding what you're supposed to do at conferences, go to the SIG business meeting. <laughs> like you have this tremendous, like this time of Nate McCautry, this tremendous scholar in our field who's brought in like $11 million in grant funding over his career and been so instrumental in a and a ton of his research and he gets to talk about his career and Kim Oliver was there last year who Mm -hmm. gave that and um, so I think the SIG business meeting for 
um, for what it's worth, it's really uh, like a nice capstone at the end of the conference to leave yeah. to listen to yeah. uh, to listen to these tremendous scholars. Yeah, so. it usually is the last session that we have. Not not every year, but usually it is the last session that we have. So it kind of wraps a bow on you know the conference uh setting so that's really cool so yeah. and next year we're in san francisco mm-hmm. um the dates are somewhere april 17th to 20th somewhere Something around like there mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. way to prepare for the podcast no, know. knowing exactly what the date is yeah. uh so it's in um late april the call comes out and usually the papers are due at the end of July. Um, the Invisible College will be due at the same time this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we hope to have a lot of your submissions. And um, if you are listening to this and you've never reviewed for ARA SIG, um, the portal is now open. So if you have an ARA login, go in, go to the 2020 portal and um, sign up to be a reviewer you know you have a month to review you get about 10 papers they're 2,000 word abstracts essentially and really really great way to see all of the cutting-edge research that's um, that's available and I've reviewed for the last couple of years and really enjoyed it so mm-hmm. all right yeah that's what we got that's what and we got. Uh, we'll hopefully see your uh, submissions in in July, July. thanks